everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited today. We're going to be speaking with a guy. His name is Allah Hunkins, and he is with Hunkins Leadership Group. And he's out of the East Coast, kind of not quite in the Boston area, but he's still wicked hardcore. So, Allah, how are you doing today, man? I am doing great, Brian. I'm really excited for our conversation. Thanks. I am too. And I think this is a great subject, especially now at this time where we're really trying to get our sea legs with what's going on in the business world. And we're going to be talking today about the mindset and the skill set needed to create a leadership environment where you can be successful. Is that correct? That is absolutely what we're talking about today. Boom goes the dynamite. Okay, but before we get started, I usually like to get people to know you better. So what we want to talk about is you had a job at one point where you were in Milwaukee walking around as an aluminum can. Now, you did not work with Laverne and Shirley, with Shamil, Shamazel, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated, right? Because they were at a bottling company. You were an aluminum and you were a can and you were walking around teaching kids how to recycle. So how did you go from being a leadership consultant with aluminum cans and recycling to somebody who helps companies, to somebody who's helps, <laughs> let me do that again. <clears throat> Boy, my brain, I'm like, I got brain fog. Here we go. <clears throat> so how did you go from being aluminum can man in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, walking around teaching kids how to recycle to helping companies and leaders set performance goals easier? Yeah, that's my first paid acting job. So I was a professional actor. And, and the code to the story is I'm working with second and third and fourth graders at Milwaukee Public Schools, teaching them the merits of recycling. And it's the first day I'm out there with a group of th th third graders. And this kid comes over to me and I'm wearing this giant styrofoam suit. And I'm six foot three, big guy. And this kid comes over to me and he just whacks me, punches me hard. He says, you're not a can, you're a man in a can suit. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> so yeah, so how did I start? Yeah, so that was, I was in acting school at the time. I actually got my MFA in theater. But here's the thing. I mean, if you study acting, you're studying people, or you're studying human behavior. And if you look mm -hmm. at what a leader's traffic in, we're about helping people behave in certain ways to achieve certain results. And so for me, that is the through line. So it started, yeah, it started with acting, but I also studied psychology. I also studied group facilitation. And then I got involved doing corporate training, doing leadership and management development work. And so along the way, what I started to notice is that there were these patterns of behavior emerged. It turns out that all great leaders have certain traits in common and all lousy leaders have certain traits in common. And so I started taking notes and those notes turned into blog posts and those blog posts ended up turning into chapters. And those chapters turned into a book that I released in March of 2020, which is called Cracking the Leadership Code. And the way I see it is that 
no matter what industry you are working in, first and foremost, you are in the people business because nothing happens without people making it happen. So if you are leading people, you need to understand what's the best way to do that. And the big challenge for so many people in leadership roles is most of us got into these roles because we were high performers, right? We got stuff done, which is great. However, there's a huge gap between being a high performer and facilitating high performance in others. And that gap doesn't get closed by just working harder. And so as we'll talk about today, I really investigate. So what are the beliefs and the behaviors that the best leaders have going for them, especially in this 2020, 2021 era that we're in where the world is so volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Hmm. So this gets me thinking about two different things. Number one, it reminds me of a commercial from, I think it was the 80s. How do you handle a hungry can? You punch it. No, that wasn't it. It was something similar to that, but I can't remember what it was. And I hope that kid went on to do big things because he understood the combination of a costume and a person. Um, maybe he's working at Disneyland. Who knows? But one of the things that you said I think is uber important is the fact that we are all in the people business, whether you're a leader or not, You know, all the way down to customer service, to the receptionist, to everything. But leaders have a unique position, and that is that they have to help get the best out of the people that are working with and for them, correct? Correct, yeah. So you talked about a couple of different things, mindset and skill set. Define what you mean by those two things. Sure. We start with this idea. I really prescribe this idea of that leaders need to have what I call a facilitative mindset. Now, the word facilitate comes from a French word, facile, which means easy. And I think it's the role of the leader is how can we make it easier for our people to succeed and deliver whatever results they're trying to deliver? Because let's face it, if our people deliver great results, then we achieve great results since a leader's performance is measured by the performance of those they lead. And so if we think about this facilitative mindset, that is a shift, a, a marked shift away from that idea of I'm in charge. My goal, my job is to tell people what to do. I command and control. And it's much more, what do I need to do today to draw out the best work out of the people that I'm with. And that might look different on different days and different with different people, which is why there's no one size fits all cookie cutter rule book to how this works. So it starts with this mindset that I need to serve the people in a way that's going to help them to do their best work. And I sometimes like to think of this as you know, you are the architect of the culture, that leaders design cultures that people thrive in. And that what great leaders do is they design cultures with intention, whereas lousy leaders just leave things to happenstance and it is what it is and they don't really think about it. So that what leaders need to understand is, especially, you know, unless you are working with people who basically are doing mindless work, which is, by the way, where this whole command and control technique came from, came out of people working on the factory assembly line where you didn't want people thinking for themselves. As Henry Ford famously said of his employees, why is it every time I want a pair of hands, they come with a brain attached? That's not the world we live in anymore. So 
you need to design an environment where knowledge workers who have to be creative and flexible, you have to design that environment in a way that is going to engage them, inspire them, and help them to be able to do their best work. So that's what the mindset piece is about. So what about the skill set? Yeah, and the skill set is, okay, so I know I have this mindset, which is I want to facilitate in others. Now the question is, how do I do it? And that's where there's there's three meta skills and there's a bunch of things under these three meta skills that i have seen time and time again and the skill sets are around connection around communication and around collaboration and that what great leaders do is they have to be able to connect well communicate well and collaborate well in order to harness the potential that is latent inside of people mm -hmm. now in today's environment i'm assuming that things are a little bit more challenging because we used to be able to walk up to a cubicle and tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, let's do this. Now you're dealing with people out and about, usually working from their homes or remotely. And I'm assuming it provides a different kind of challenge to those three core skills of communication, connection, and collaboration. Oh, completely different in that suddenly, like you said, you could tap people on the shoulder. Now what we have is we have distance and we have technology as an intermediary. And so we've created some extra friction, right? Mm -hmm. There's more friction in the system. But if you ever worked with remote employees before, you had that friction already. So the question is, if I have this friction of I'm at a distance, so then I have to start being strategic and thinking, so what are some areas that I can reduce the friction to compensate for the lack of the fact that I can't go over and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, what about this? So what are some things that I can do to open things up? And one of the things that I want to do as a leader is I need to build an even higher level of trust with my teams and my people than I had before. So how do you do that? Well, I have to be better at connecting because that's how you build trust. So then the question is, what do I do to connect to build trust? And then I have two main skills underneath the connection skills. So the first is around empathy, right? The fact is we work with human beings. And as the last year under COVID has demonstrated, there's no such thing as work and life. What there is, is there's life and that we are human beings in that. So empathy is the human to human relationship of showing people that you understand them and care how they feel. Now, as you hear that, that might sound touchy-feely, et cetera, et cetera, but there's all this research that shows that people that feel cared for, that they feel valued, are more highly engaged and way more productive than people who aren't. So let's give them the fact that, yeah, so we wanna create empathy. One of the big challenges to that is that showing people that you understand them and that you care how they feel actually moves at the speed of humans, not at the speed of email, not at the speed of light. So you actually have to take some time to build relationships, which means stepping out of task mode and into relationship mode. And a lot of leaders aren't used to that because we're really high performing achievers who's like, go, 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 go. So building empathy and developing those stronger bonds with people is number one. The other number two thing you can do around being more connected, so for people to trust you, is to increase your level of credibility. The fact is, as leaders, we are all being watched all the time. So for example, every single time that you have a one-on-one -on -one with one of your employees and you have to reschedule it or cancel it, guess what? Yeah, they might understand, yeah, I get my boss is busy, 
a part of them trusts you a little bit less because of it. So that's just an example of lateness. So what are the things that you're doing so that people believe you are worth following? I like to say it doesn't matter if you pay people a salary or not. Everyone is a volunteer today. So think about you are leading a team of volunteers because every day people volunteer, not just their time, but how in, how much effort they're going to put in, how much engagement they're going to put in. And if we want to draw the best out of people, we want to create an environment where the people feel connected to and trusted so that they can offer their best work. So that's a bunch of stuff that goes around connection. Absolutely. So now we get into communication. We've connected with these people. What about communication is so special? Well, if you talk to and look at the research, you know, people will say that 80% of business problems are chalked up to communication. And I think there's a big reason why. It's because too many of us are spending time on trying to communicate and not enough time on trying to create understanding. The fact is communication is only a vehicle to create an outcome. Right? Why are you having this meeting? Why are you sending this email? Because what you're trying to do is create understanding and you're trying to create as best as possible, accurate understanding. And the reason that accurate understanding is so important, and this might sound obvious, but it's that because understanding becomes the platform on which you build all future action. So if we have clear understanding, it's like we have this level platform that we can build a building on. If we have unclear or inaccurate or misunderstanding. It's a really shaky, wobbly platform. We're going to make poor decisions and we're going to end up with poor results. So leaders need to understand <laughs> that they need to create understanding, right? It's like, so what am I doing to ensure I'm creating understanding? So here's an example. How many of you listening right now have had a meeting with people and the meeting ends, but Everyone goes off and after the meeting, you go out in the hallway and you talk to your friends You're like, wait, what did we just commit to doing? What did you say? Who's doing what? What's happening? Because we didn't take the time in the meeting to decide and really confirm understanding. And so we end up with these meetings after the meetings and people may or may not come back or people don't feel, un they don't feel comfortable raising their hand and asking questions because they don't want to look stupid. So these are all symptoms of a culture where there's a lack of understanding. So the main thing around this is that leaders need to find many different ways. And there's, I mean, in my book, I write about six, seven different ways that you can create understanding more quickly um, and more easily. But that's the goal of what we're trying to accomplish. It is easier said than done. A recent survey of 4,000 employees found that 45% report regularly receiving confusing or unclear instructions to the point where they waste an average of 40 minutes a day trying to figure out what the heck they're supposed to do. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. I've got certain customers that we text each other, and it's so hard to give like detailed instructions inside a text. I mean, it just, but that's the way they want to communicate. So it, it tends to get harder and harder, even though it's faster, it tends to be less complete. The other thing that you brought up too, is now I understand why when I worked at Arthur Anderson, we used to have meetings to decide when we would have meetings to decide which donuts we would have at the meetings we were going to have in the future. Totally makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, is that that important? And Brian, you bring up such a good point here around, you know, um, that people think, oh, well, we think we're being efficient. And I think one of the, the, the big mindset shifts is we have to sometimes forego efficiency for effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's say I've got a team of five people. Now, what is most efficient, if I want us to do something, I have a new initiative, I should write an email and send it out to all five at once, right? That's efficient. That's scaling up. However, 
if I think, what if I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with every single one of them? What is the likelihood that they're going to now take ownership and be bought in and actually engage in this new initiative? It's way higher. Now, it costs me more upfront in terms of time, but I've got to think it's the cost benefit ratio is that sometimes we actually want to forego being hyper effective if it uh, sorry hyper efficient if it's going to cost us in terms of being effective in the long term. Well put. So now we have this connection. We have the empathy. We have the communication. We let people know what outcomes we want. Now, how do we, through talking to each one of those individuals separately, create the collaboration? So here's, yeah, we, we started with that already with collaboration, right? So collaboration is what do you do to design the environment where people can thrive? And from my research, what I found is there's four key fundamental human needs that people have to have satisfied in order to perform at their best. The first need in terms of to collaborate is that people need to feel safe. And that's not just physical safety, which is obviously why people are working at a distance, but it's also people have to feel psychologically safe, that when they speak up, that they're listened to, and that they have a sense that others on the team aren't dominating. We don't have in-groups and out-groups, but that there's let's call it equal air time, that on a team, people feel like others are listening to them. So there's physical and psychological safety. That's need number one, safety. Number two is energy. The fact is everyone does better when their work environment is energized. So what as a leader are you doing to make sure that you have energy? So for example, do you create with your meeting default times? Do you create 45 or 50 minute meetings so people actually have some transition from going from one hour meeting to the next hour meeting to the next hour meeting. Like there's no magic formula other than Microsoft decided that with Windows, they're gonna set default 60 minute meeting times. You don't have to do it that way. So realizing people are gonna get drained hour after hour after hour as, as we were talking about before we got on air today, right? So is what do we do to manage that? Or what are we making sure to do that we don't have three hour meetings without a break, that we should actually be scheduling breaks every so often. So those are just a couple of examples of people's need for energy. So we've got safety, we've got energy. The third thing is around purpose, is that everyone performs and engages more when they feel that what they're doing matters, that they're contributing to something greater than themselves. So how can you remind people of the big picture of why are we doing what we're doing? So our product or our service, how is that helping our clients and making the world a better place. If we say, you know, I've had clients and I say, so what's your mission? They say, our mission is to return shareholder value. And I say, so why aren't you dealing cocaine? I mean, there's much higher profit margins than what you do. They're like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, no, I mean, think about it for a second. If that's all you care about, you should find the lowest common denominator. But obviously it's not that. So we have to think about, you know, as Simon Sinek famously said, start with why. What is our why? What is our purpose? So that is need number three. And that leaders can cultivate that by reminding people of what our shared and collective purpose is. And need number four is around ownership. The fact is everyone wants a sense of autonomy and freedom because it's empowering. No one wants to work for a micromanager. So what are things that you're doing to establish parameters so people can feel freed up within those parameters to be able to operate at their best? So just to recap those four fundamental needs, safety, energy, ownership, and purpose. And those are awesome. And just the fact that you brought up cocaine in the middle of a leadership talk 
just you know gave me a lot of hope for energy um <laughs> so because we all know that cocaine gives you energy right it's it's basically illegal red bull um but no i thought that was a great example and, and it's very true it's like you know trying to get people to understand the whole purpose behind things is so hard because a lot of times people interpret the purpose different and, you know, obviously, one of the key words I used to use in my business a long time ago is your success is our business. And it's a great phrase. But the key word is success for every business is different. So, you know, it's so hard to be able to kind of coin that in a way that you can get everybody on the same page. So if we were to have one major takeaway from what we've talked about today, what is the key thing that people can do right now that gets them on the path to thinking about becoming better leaders. Yeah, so I think the number one thing you can do, and this is very rare, very few people do this. So if you're here listening to this because you wanna be a better leader, so take this, here's the stretch for you, which is ask for feedback. Go to some of your people, and not just the people that think you're awesome, but go to people and say, hey, I wanna be a better leader. What can I be doing differently that can help you to be more effective at your job? And how can I support that? And then your job is to shut up and listen to them. Don't get defensive. Don't justify with a story or an excuse. Just listen to them and then say thank you and then go away and get some more data points from other feedback and then say, hey, I heard what you said and this is what I'm working on, right? So why don't, since our role is to help our people succeed, why playing a guessing game? So asking for feedback is a way to accelerate your own learning curve about what you need to do to become better. That's awesome. And having the ability to listen to other people and take all those data points and put it into a package that helps you meet the entire team's needs, I think is is huge. Well, Alon, this was awesome. I mean, there was a lot packed into it and I wish we could talk so much more. I'm sure my audience wants to learn more about you and your book and things like that. What's the best way for them to follow you or get a hold of you? Okay, a few different ways, but I'm going to give you the easiest way is probably go, because my name is spelled a little bit funny because it's a French name, is you can go to, the book has its own website, which is www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. It takes you right to my book page. While you're there, you can read about the book, and also you can download the first chapter and get a preview of it. That takes you to the rest of my alainhunkins.com website, Right now, I've been running various micro-learning challenges, a 30-day leadership challenge, which takes the ideas of the book and puts it into a 30-day format where you practice becoming a better leader in just five minutes a day. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And since you've listened this far, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly. I call you, this is the end of the podcast club. You've listened this far, you deserve it. And that's Alain, A-L-A-I-N, at Alain Hunkins, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. And always answer any questions that come from that. Now, I don't speak French very well, but I can say baguette. Uh, I do know how to say that. I know that French love wine, and nothing goes really, really good with wine and baguettes like bacon. And you, my friend, have come on the Bacon Podcast and dropped some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I so appreciate you, your time, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Oh, it's been great. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. 
Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.